Well, good evening, Rocky Peak. And happy Memorial Day weekend to you. Uh, what a great time to celebrate those who have sacrificed so much. And so the last uh, month, I've been listening to an audiobook on the Korean War. Really an interesting, uh, really interesting book. Uh, my dad served in the Korean War. And um, one author has said the Korean War was not forgotten, it was never remembered. And uh, it's interesting, I didn't even know that uh, our major battle in the Korean War was with China. Did you know that? Like, I, I didn't even know that. Um, crazy, but the sacrifice these guys went through, amazing. And so for those of you who are serving, have served, loving those, uh, supporting those who are serving, thank you so much. We appreciate it. Yeah, we're excited. Mm. Now, um, my name is Michael. I'm one of the pastors. And uh, I want to welcome you here to Rocky Peak as well. And we're going to go into our time of teaching right now. So inside your program is a green and white message note sheet that we use it every week. If you're brand new, you'll especially want to take that out and follow along. And if you guys are all set, I'm ready to go. You guys ready to go? Yeah. Okay, let's pray. God, we're just excited to be here and to be pursuing you in this next step of our journey as we talk about partnering with you uh, to bring your, the kingdom of the heavens to earth through the power of conversation with you through prayer. And so we pray today that as we, we delve into this incredible topic, incredible privilege, we pray that you'd meet us in a powerful way. I pray, Lord, that you would anoint me with your spirit. I pray you'd anoint us as a church with your presence, and we would come hungry to listen and to learn, and then to follow. We pray in your name. Amen. Amen. Well, our story starts today <laughs> on a small kind of medium-sized town, but it's located on a, on a large highway. And uh, this is where he's grown up. And uh, the last few weeks, some amazing events have been happening in their town. And uh, to be honest, at first he was highly skeptical. And uh, he's, he's not one who's quick to buy in. But as the reports continued to filter back, as he had some friends that had actually been there, seen some of the events, that uh, his skepticism began to fade. And in his place, hope began to rise. And a plot began to hatch at the back of his mind. And once it started, it didn't take long until it was full-blown. He knew he couldn't pull it off by himself, so he'd have to recruit some buddies. And so he did. He called three of his closest friends and kind of called them into this conspiracy. And uh, they began to plot and plan and um, watch for the window of opportunity. And one day it happened. One day that window opened up and they jumped into high gear and they, uh, they began to put their plan into motion. But when they got to the destination, there was way too many people to make it happen. And so they thought they were gonna have to call off the plan, maybe come back a different day. But then one of them had an idea and it was a crazy idea. I mean, it was flat out like ridiculous. But the more they started thinking about it, the more they thought, you know, this might just work. As they put their, their minds together, a plan began to form, and they said, okay, let's do it. It's high risk, but it's high reward. And so they began to go back and get the supplies they would need to alter the plan, little knowing that this day would change the rest of their lives forever. Well, today, we are continuing this journey that we've been on. It's called Pursuing God One-on-One. -on -one. And for those of you who are brand new, I want to welcome you. So glad that you're here. 
Uh, it's an exciting time to be joining us on this journey. And so what we're doing in this series, we're exploring uh, how to pursue a deep and authentic relationship with God by pursuing him one-on-one, -on -one, developing what we call a rhythm of relationship on a regular schedule, our weekly schedule, we're spending time with God on a regular basis in his word, and in prayer, in journaling, whatever else the Holy Spirit leads us to do, to, to deeply connect so we, we're renewed and transformed and we can uh, kind of develop this relationship that we were created for. And so uh, last week we started kind of a new mini-series under the larger series, and it's three weeks on prayer. And so if you're here last week, Dre taught on prayer as prayer as relationship. Uh, prayer is a way that we connect with God and pursue this deep and authentic relationship. And so today, the next topic on the table is prayer as partnership. Now, my hunch is that for many of us, this will be a new paradigm, kind of an outside-the-box uh, paradigm when it comes to prayer. And uh, before we jump in and, and talk about what Jesus uh, describes about this, uh, how he describes this uh, kind of partnership of prayer, um, that I, I want to set it up by taking a, a look at the, what I'm calling this kind of, kind of God's epic vision for our lives we often talk about, and kind of set prayer in the context of that epic vision. And so there in your note sheet, you have a section that's called the prayer partnership, God's epic vision. Right? So let's, let's turn there. And so if you, were to, if you were to turn back to the opening pages of the Bible, you would see that as God kind of unfolds this epic vision for our lives and all creation, that you and I were created for three things. You may want to jot these down, you may not, but just want to listen. But uh, the three things, first of all, we were created to be like God. Uh, secondly, we were created to be in relationship with God. Like as we've talked about in this series, to, be, to live our life in the presence. Most important relationship in our life is that relationship with our creator. And then third, we were created to rule over creation for God. Right? So we're created to be like God. We were created to be in relationship with God. We were created to rule over this creation for God. And so you see this in the opening chapter of Genesis. For example, in Genesis chapter 1, it says, uh, So God created mankind in his own image. Uh, in the image of God, he created them. So we were created to be like God, created in his image, which of course then gives us the capacity for relationship with God. If you're not like God, like, you're like, like the animals aren't, don't, aren't creating the image, they can't have that relationship with. So we're created to be like God. We're created a uh, relationship with God. Um, and it says, he, male and female, he created them. And he says, and God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. So one command that we've obeyed. Uh, rule, rule, and then he says, rule over the fish and the birds of the sky and every living creature. All right, so we're created to be like God in his image, created to be in relationship with God, uh, because we're in his image, and we're created to rule over creation for God. You see this again, for example, in Psalm chapter 8, where the psalmist says, in fact, Dre mentioned the psalm last week, what is man that you're mindful of him? Uh, he's, the psalmist is speaking to God. What is my, man that you're mindful of him, the son of man that you care for him? You made him a little lower than the heavenly beings and crowned him with glory and honor. You made him what? Ruler. ruler. Go. We made him ruler over the work of your hands, and you put everything under his feet. And so this is how the story of the Bible begins, by saying this is why we were created as a race, created to be like God, created to be in relationship with God, created to rule over creation for God. And, and what I want you to catch is this epic vision that God has for our race that he's never given up on this vision. That when we rebelled against the creator, he set in motion a way to restore this vision. And we talk here, uh, Rocky, about this epic vision God has for life. This is what we're talking about. 
Created to be, uh, to be created to be like God, transformed to be like Jesus. We are created to be in relationship with God, living life in the presence, and we are created to rule over creation for him. This is our destiny, and this is why Jesus came. In fact, uh, what you see in the Bible is this, this, that God has never given up on this, and the story that starts in Genesis uh, with his vision ends in Revelation with the fulfillment of this vision. In fact, there in your note sheet, if you look at Revelation 22, you know, Genesis 1 starts with, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Well, Genesis 21, I mean, Revelation 21 22 ends the book, the Bible, with, uh, with, with uh, God creating the new heavens and the new earth, the start of chapter 21. In these final two chapters, he describes this new creation. And when we get to chapter 2, he describes the new city. So we start the story in the garden. We're going to end the story in the city. It's the new Jerusalem. It's sort of a poetic description of the coming of the kingdom of God. So as the new Jerusalem comes from the heavens down to earth, it's a description of the coming kingdom. And so uh, in this description, what I want you to catch is how John uses some key code words from Genesis 3, the start of the story, to wrap up the story. And so if you look at here, watch these code words. He says, so an angel showed, uh, showed me the river of the water of life as clear as, uh, as clear as crystal flowing from the throne of God and the Lamb down the middle of the great street of the city and on each side of the, the river stood the what? And so how does the story start in Genesis? With the tree of life. And, and when, when we, we rebelled against our creator, we lost access to the tree of life. We were expelled from the garden under the, under the curse, right? The curse of God came upon us as a race for our rebellion. So, so now we're at the end of the story and we're back in the new city and you have the river of life and you have the tree of life, right? Now I understand this is highly symbolic here, describing the new kingdom that's coming. Right? Now, he goes on and he says, and no longer will there be any what? Curse. See the story that starts with the curse in Genesis 3 is going to end with the reversal of the curse. Why? Because the Messiah has come. Jesus has died. In Galatians it says that he, he became the curse for us. That he has taken the curse. And so no longer will there be any curse. And the throne of God and of the Lamb will be in the city. And his servants will serve him and they will see his face. The story that starts in the garden, walking with God, ends in the city with us seeing God, living in the presence of God again. And it says, they will see his face and his name will be on their foreheads. In other words, we will belong to him. That, our, that relationship will be restored. And, and then there comes this final statement, and they will what? Reign forever and ever. Are you with me? The story that starts, we're created to be like God, created to be in relationship with God, living in the presence, and created to rule over God. The story ends with us restored through the life, the death, the resurrection of Jesus. We're restored, we're living in the presence of God, we're now like God, and, we're, and, and now we'll reign with him forever in the new creation that's coming. This is God's epic vision for our lives. So it's interesting, so when Jesus came, this is the vision that he announced. When Jesus came, he shared what we call the gospel of the kingdom. Now it's interesting because often in Christian circles, we have truncated that gospel, we have shrunk it down to if I were to ask many of you, what is the gospel? Many of us would say, well the gospel is Jesus died for my sins so I can be forgiven, go to heaven when I die. It's not that it's not true, it's just a truncated version, it's a shrunk down version. Jesus, came, the gospel is that 
God is king of creation, and he is coming to restore all his creation and those who will be restored through the death of Messiah. And so what we see is in Mark chapter one, when Jesus bursts on the scene, look at how the gospel is described. It says, Jesus went into Galilee, this is the very beginning of his ministry, and he proclaimed the good news, in the Greek that's the word gospel, right, euangelion, that's the gospel, the good news of God, and what is the good news, what is the gospel? Well, the time has come, and the kingdom of God has come near. So the prophets of Israel had prophesied that one day God would return to his people, he would forgive them of their sins, he would restore them to his presence, he would change them supernaturally from the inside out by the power of his spirit, and that he would return to bring all creation healed and restored under his leadership, that God would be king. Again, that one day the kingdom of the heavens would come and become the kingdom of earth. The kingdom of the earth will become the kingdom of the heavens. And so Jesus announces that this time is very near with his life, his death and resurrection. We are very clear to the launching of the kingdom of God to bring all things under the authority of the king. So what this means is that when a man or woman, now remember, I'm setting up prayer here. It's a long way around, but hang with me. It's like three sermons before I get to the main point. But this is really important because I often believe that because we don't understand the vision, we have a very small life. And we have a very small view of prayer because we don't understand the role it plays in the larger vision and story that God's telling. And so what happens is when a man or woman comes to Jesus, we transfer kingdoms, don't we? We go from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light. And as a follower of Jesus, then uh, our top priority is to advance his kingdom. In fact, you know this verse, Matthew 6, at least many of you will, where Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount, seek first his what? His kingdom and his righteousness. So seek first the kingdom of God, the kingdom of love, the kingdom of forgiveness, the kingdom of justice and righteousness, what is right and true and good, uh, the, the kingdom of restoration. He said, seek first the kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given uh, to you. So as followers of Jesus, we come into relationship with the king, we become a part of his kingdom, and now this is our epic calling to seek first his kingdom. But here's what we're going to see today that's so surprising, is that if I were to ask you, so what does it look like to seek first his kingdom? Probably most of us here would focus on things that we say or things that we do. To seek first his kingdom might mean uh, maybe it's to share Jesus with others who don't know him. Maybe it's to use my time, my gifts, my resources to help advance the cause of Christ. Maybe it's to serve the poor or, or to heal the sick. I'm doing what Jesus did. I'm advancing the kingdom. And here's what I want you to catch. Yes, that's absolutely kingdom work. But one of the things that Jesus is going to say today that is so counterintuitive is that one of the primary ways we bring the kingdom of the heavens to earth is through partnering with God in prayer. And this is so counterintuitive. He's like, well, when I'm praying, I'm just talking. Like, what is really happening? But according to Jesus, this is one of the primary ways we bring the kingdom of the heavens to earth. Uh, For example, there in your note sheet, and you have this famous verse from the Lord's Prayer, 
uh, where Jesus said, our Father in heaven, in, in the Greek it literally says our Father in the heavens. So our Father in the heavens, hallowed be your name. Right? So we, we talk about the, in, in the Bible, the, the name of someone is shorthand for their person, for their identity, for who they are. Right? And so when we say, uh, hallowed be thy name, what we're saying is that, hey, may all the world, may everyone in the world come to realize who you are and honor you for who you are and love you for who you are and respond to you and follow you as the king. Right? May your name be honored in all the world. May there not be one space, one uh, spot in all creation where you are not known and recognized and worshiped and honored and given our lives. May your name be honored. And then he goes on, he says, uh, may your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And so Jesus says, as followers of mine, here's what we're gonna do. When you pray, we're gonna pray that the name of God is honored. We're gonna pray that his kingdom will come, his will will be done on earth as it is in the heavens. In the heavens it's done. We're gonna pray that that would be done. So Jesus says, one of the ways, one of the most important ways we're gonna partner with God to bring the kingdom of, of the heavens to earth is through asking through prayer. Now, so let's break this down a little bit farther, all right? And remember, we're, we'll stick at the main point at some point. So let's break this down just a little bit more. And uh, let's say that when, when a man or woman comes to Jesus, we all switch sides in a spiritual war, don't we? Colossians 1 says that you've all been, uh, you've been, uh, tr- you've been rescued from the, the domain of darkness, you've been transferred in the kingdom of his beloved son. So we come to Jesus, we switch sides, and as a follower of Jesus, now like we said, our top calling is to seek first his kingdom. So I want you to think about this, that when you came to Christ, if you've not yet come to Christ, when you come to Christ, that when you come to Christ, you become, your life becomes like an outpost of the kingdom of God, all right? Well, this is enemy territory. This world is not the world of, this, this world is, is Satan's domain, right? And so when you come to Christ, you become an outpost of the kingdom. Think of it like a castle in the kingdom. And each of us then has a sphere of influence that radiates out from our castle. Are you with me? You following this? So, so you have come to Christ, you're now an outpost of the kingdom in the, in the world of darkness. And your job is to take ground for the kingdom. Wherever you go, you're to, to go out from your kingdom, from your castle, and you're to take ground. So to help uh, illustrate this, I put a diagram there on your note sheet. And so I call you, I'm calling you a kingdom outpost, all right? And uh, so in the center of this diagram, we've got you. And so you have come to Christ, you are the kingdom outpost, and so your first responsibility as a member of the kingdom is to bring your whole life under the leadership of the king, right? That's, that's job number one. But from there, you're to begin to look out and say, how can I help advance the kingdom as it kind of radiates out in these different spheres of my life? And so, for example, we're gonna radiate out to your family and your friends. What is God doing in their life? And what does it look like for the kingdom to come in their life? And as we move out, we have our life group and our church and then the neighborhood and the workplace and then out to the community and the world. Are you with me here? You following this? 
that we, we're followers of Jesus, we're a, an outpost of the kingdom, and so as we go out, whether it's in our family, our friends, our church, our life group, our workplace, wherever we go, our job is to represent the king and to help bring the kingdom, to seek first the kingdom in each of these areas of influence in our life. Are you with me? Okay, now we'll get to the point. Here is the point. If we are created to rule, if the gospel is that the kingdom of God is coming from heaven to earth, if our job is to help advance that kingdom, the surprising thing is that Jesus is going to say today that one of the most powerful ways that we advance the kingdom in these different spheres of our life is through asking. You don't look suitably impressed. (laughs) This is amazing. The way you're going to advance my king, one of the primary ways, is through partnering with me in prayer. So I want to walk you through this. Uh, There in your note sheet, there's a section that's called the Prayer Partnership, Jesus' New Paradigm. And uh, and so Jesus is going to introduce this powerful paradigm of prayer, Um, And uh, we talked about it briefly this week in the Pursuing God Journal, uh, week eight and day one. Uh, But I want to delve into a little bit more here because it's so important that we catch this, we embrace this, and it's so uh, different than the way we often look at prayer that it's easy to miss. And so let's set the stage. What I want to do is that Jesus, last night of his life, um, that in John uh, 13 through 16, in those uh, four chapters, we, we have a kind of a, a Cliff Notes version of the conversation that Jesus has, some of the highlights of the conversation Jesus has between his followers and himself this very last night that he's with us before he's arrested. And, uh, and on that night, one of the things he tells them, he tells them, I'm going to be leaving, and of course they're very upset. He says, but don't worry, I'm sending someone to take my place, another counselor, another mentor, the Holy Spirit. He will lead you, he'll guide you. And so basically what's happening is Jesus is passing the kingdom baton to his followers. So he's launched the kingdom. He's got it going. He's about to go with his death, his resurrection, and his ascension to be the right hand of God, to be ruler over creation. He'll be, he's about to become the crown king of all creation. And he's handing them the baton. I started the movement. Now it's your job to continue the movement. And as he hands the baton, he tells them, you'll not be alone. The Holy Spirit will be with you. And he said that as you go, he makes some amazing promises he, makes, he says, uh, you're going to do even more amazing things than I've done to date. And he says, you're going to be, bear incredible fruit as you go out to advance his kingdom. But what's fascinating is that four times in these last four chapters, Jesus is going to tie their achievement to prayer. And so I, wanted, I, want, you to show, I want to show you this. So in John 14, he says, um, very truly, it's there on your note sheet. I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works that I've been doing, and they will do even greater things than these because I'm going to the Father and all that means with the coming of the Spirit and so on. And, he, and so he says, you're gonna do even more amazing things, cr- crazy promise, but look what he says next. And the very, he says, and I will do whatever you ask in my name so the Father may be glorified in the Son. So he says, you're gonna do even more amazing things, and here's how it's gonna work. Uh, you're going to ask in my name, and the Father is going to respond, and together we're going to do amazing things. Now, 
Let's talk about this word, this in his name thing. Jesus is not saying here that this means that at the end of every prayer you say, in Jesus' name, amen. Right? Every once in a while, someone say, you didn't say in Jesus, when I first came to Rocky Peak, I'd be like, you didn't say in Jesus' name, amen. So we're not sure you're a real pastor. And, um, so often we misunderstand this. To pray in Jesus' name does not mean literally to pray in Jesus' name, amen. In fact, there are, you won't see examples of that in the New Testament when they pray, like in the book of Acts. What it means is that when you pray, uh, the, remember the name means the person, means the identity. When you pray in the name, it means you come to the Father with a signet ring of Jesus, and you say, I'm here for the sake of Jesus. I'm here for the sake of his kingdom. I am here for the sake that your name would be honored in all the earth. I am here for your kingdom to come. I am here for your will to be done on earth as it is, and I come with the ring of King Jesus that he has given to ask in his name. He's given me his credit card to purchase on his expense card. I come not in my own name, I come not in my own agenda, I come not for my own wishes, I come in the name of King Jesus to carry out the kingdom ministry that he has given to us to bring all heaven and earth under the leadership of King Jesus, I come in his name, you see? And Jesus said, when you come in my name, you come representing me and my interests, my Father will respond. Now what's interesting is Jesus doesn't just say this one time, he says it four times. Crazy, four times in three chapters. So in the next chapter we have this famous, uh, famous conversation with the, about the vine and the branches, so it's this analogy, right? So Jesus said, I'm like a grapevine, you're like the branches, my father is like the gardener. Now stop and think with me about this. Everyone's got the same agenda. The father wants great fruit, the vine wants great fruit, the branches want great We've all got the same agenda. And he says, here's how it's gonna work. He said, as I leave, I'm giving you the kingdom baton, and my desire is you bear a lot of fruit. That'll bring glory to my Father. And he says, so he is going to be pruning you so you can bear more fruit. Your job is to stay connected to me because without me, you can do nothing. The way you stay connected is by listening and following what I've taught you. So you stay connected, and then you're gonna be amazingly successful. You're gonna bear much fruit. But right after saying that, he connects it to asking. And so look what he says. In John 15, he says, I'm the vine and you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, like stay connected, right? Like the vine to the branch, right? If you, if you remain in me, you will bear much fruit. It's guaranteed. Apart from me, you can do nothing. But if you remain in me and my words remain in you, that's the key, right? You're gonna listen and follow my teaching. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, then here's what's gonna happen. Ask whatever you wish and it will be done to you. Do you see that? You are calling this to bear fruit, how? Through asking. In case they missed it, it gets even clearer at the end of the analogy in chapter five, uh, 15 and verse 16, there on the next, uh, the next one, he says, you did not choose me, but I chose you and I appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit. And then he immediately says, uh, fruit that will last, and immediately says, so that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. Do you see how he's connecting fruit bearing and asking? In the next chapter, 
in chapter 16. He says that as my followers, we, you are about to enter into phase two of our relationship. He said, we're about to move into a new phase. He said, I am going to return to the Father. So I'm gonna die, I'm going to resurrect, I'm going to ascend to the Father. So I'll be at the right hand of God. I have been crowned king of creation. Jesus wasn't crowned king until the ascension. The based on his death, his resurrection, his obedience, he's now crowned king of all creation. And he says, that is going to kick off a new phase of our relationship. And in this phase, he says, I know you're confused right now, but once you see this unfolding, you won't ask me any more questions. It's all gonna be crystal clear. And in that day, you're gonna ask confidently, and it's gonna lead to your joy. And so he says, in that day, in other words, after, in, after his death and resurrection, so on, you will be... Uh, you will no longer ask me anything. In other words, out of confusion. He's like, they're confused right now in this conversation. Very truly, I tell you, my Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. Until now, you have not asked for anything in my name. Like when you're praying, you have not asked in the name of Jesus. I come in Jesus' name. But once he is king over creation, and I am his appointed delegate, I will be able to ask in the name of the king. And he says, so ask and you'll receive and your joy will be complete. Now, here's what I want you to catch. Jesus says, as we move into the future, as I hand you the baton, you're gonna go out, you're gonna achieve even more amazing things than I have done. Uh, you're gonna bear incredible fruit. The key, stay connected with me, listen and follow, and then this is how it's gonna work. You're going to ask, my Father is going to answer, and together, we are going to do amazing things. Now, once we understand that, it helps us to understand one more reason why developing a regular rhythm of relationship with God is so important in our life. Because if this is how God has ordained the kingdom to advance, what this means is that if we are not spending time with the king, asking for those things in our concentric circles, our kingdom outpost, to advance his kingdom, that his name would be honored, that his kingdom would come and his will would be done, what this means, and I want you to catch this, it means that things that should happen, that could happen, won't happen, simply because we did not ask. That's powerful. Look how James puts it. In James 4, James says, you do not have because you do not ask of God. Wow. You see, once you understand how the kingdom works, it begins to give you a new motivation, like, oh, like I just thought God was gonna do what God was gonna do regardless of whether I asked or not. If that were true, why would Jesus say, pray for God's kingdom to come on earth as it is in heaven? See, he has designed it so that you and I can fulfill our destiny to rise up and rule over creation with God. This is a way we partner with God to bring the kingdom of the heavens to earth. Are you with me? 
This is part of our destiny. Prayer is not just a little thing we do over here. So what, what often happens when it, when it comes to prayer is we think of it in this way or that way, but we don't understand prayer is part of the way we rule. It is the way that God has designed it so that your life and my life has true significance, that we actually impact the future because of our relationship with God and because of us partnering with him. I love the quote from Dallas uh, Willard. I shared it in the journal, but I want to hit it again. Prayer as kingdom praying is an arrangement explicitly instituted by God in order that we as individuals may count and count for much as we learn step by step how to govern, to reign with him in his kingdom, and to enter and to learn, and to enter and to learn this reign is what gives the individual life its intended significance. This earth is where we're being trained to reign forever. And, we're being tra- and our training ground is to come alongside and say, God, where are you moving? What do you want to do in this person's life? What do you want to do in this situation? How do I partner with you to bring the kingdom of the heavens to earth in this concentric circle? Are you with me? Now, um, so let's talk about then. I want to ask you a key question then. There in your note sheet, the prayer partnership, the key question. And it's a very simple question, but it's a very profound question I want us to reflect on today. It's, it's got a lot of significance. The question is this, why do you pray? And I want us to think about this. Why do you pray? When you pray, why do you pray? So, so Dre talked about this last week. He said that sometimes we pray for transactional reasons. Do you remember that? I need something. Uh, God has the answers. He's got the power. I've got the need. And so, God, would you apply your power to my need? It's a transaction. Remember his favorite place in the world to go is Target. Um, And so uh, we kind of have this transactional relationship. A second reason I think it's very common for us to pray is that we pray for a relationship. And I think this just makes sense. That we, we often have a, we, we're create have a personal relationship with God. And of course, there is no personal relationship without honest communication. And, and we get that intuitively. So we understand if we want to develop a relationship with God, we need to learn to share our heart, hear his voice, and so on. We'll talk more about the hearing his voice next week. But, and so we, we get that. And so I think that when we pray, these are probably two of the most important reasons. We, we pray to get something done, uh, kind of something we need in our lives, and we pray for relationship. And those are fantastic reasons to pray. There's nothing wrong with that. What I want you to catch, though, is that prayer is more than a relationship. It is partnership. That God has designed this this way, that prayer is how we get things done in his kingdom. Prayer is where we roll up our sleeves and we get to work to build the kingdom. Prayer is where we roll up our sleeves and go to war to win the battle. Prayer is how we get things done. And the more we understand this, that this is how it works, the more motivation we have to spend time in prayer. Well, let me talk to you about this. Like many years ago, when I began to understand this and began to read this, and these passages of John began to really speak to me uh, a long time ago, that when, when it began to speak to me, it really impacted my whole approach to prayer. Because I think prior to that, if you would have said, why do you pray? I would have said my primary reason to prayer is to, uh, to seek a deeper relationship with God. And of course, that's very critical. But after beginning to understand this, this began to almost scare me. And I mean it in the best sense. 
Like there are certain fears in life that are appropriate and good fears. Like if you want a paycheck, you need to go to work. And so when you get up and go to work, you, you don't go like, oh, I'm so afraid I won't get a paycheck today. That's not why you're going to work. But you know, hey, this is a requirement, right? This, it's how life works. If you, if you want to get a paycheck, you go to work. You understand this, how life works. Once you understand how prayer works, it scares you. Because you begin to realize, if this is how things get done, if this is how the kingdom comes to earth, if this is the way God has designed it, if I'm not praying, things are not gonna happen that could have happened, should have happened, God wants to happen, that are not gonna happen because I'm not praying. And when you begin to realize it, it begins to put the fear of God in you. Can I tell you something? I'm scared to death to not pray for my kids. Do you think I'm gonna sit back as a parent and just kinda let the enemy attack them and just let them go and say, hey, I hope it works out okay? They'll, they'll find their own way? Heck no! I'm gonna go to the walls for my kids. I'm gonna be praying for my kids. I want their hearts to be passionate for Jesus. I want them to love Jesus more than anything else. I want them to protect them from the enemy. I want them to surround them with his love. I want them to give them wisdom and insight. I want them to bless their lives in every single way. I want to cover them in prayer. I would never dare not praying for my kids. Are you with me? Once you understand how this works, this should put the fear of God in you. If you're not spending time asking for your kingdom outpost issues, you are letting down those people in your life that God has put you there. You know why I feel bad? I feel bad for people who don't have a prayer covering in their life. And if you're a follower of Jesus, he has given you the authority of the king to pray for this kingdom to come and his will to be done and his name to be honored. And it's your responsibility to cover your kingdom. Are you with me? So let's talk about how do we do that? Before I lose my voice, <laughs> let's talk about how do we do this? How do we partner with God in prayer? There's some things that are more important, right? Uh, there in your note sheet, there's a, a section called a prayer partnership, a parable of the presence. We started today with a story about this uh, conspiracy. It was kind of a conspiracy of kindness, really. It's a story that's told early on in the Gospel of Mark. And uh, Jesus has just launched his ministry. We just read Mark 1. And uh, things are really picking up. And so he started a tour of the Galilee, sharing the message of the kingdom. Wherever he goes, people are healed. Wherever he goes, uh, demoni- uh, people are being freed from demonic oppression. Uh, amazing teaching. And so he's super popular, right? But his headquarters is in Capernaum, which is a, a town on the Via Maris, a major highway. He moved there to start his ministry. And so it kind of starts there, and in Mark chapter one, he heals a ton of people, and uh, everyone's coming, and then he starts this kind of ministry tour, and now he's gone. So, so in this story, I talked about this man and his three friends, right? So he lives in Capernaum. He's grown up there. I kind of made that part up, but he's grown, he, well, assume he, he's grown up there. People didn't move a lot. And so he's, he, he's up there, and so he hears about Jesus. He hears about this healing, and at some point, he begins to get this idea. He's got this friend. He's got this buddy that's been paralyzed. And we don't know the whole backstory. We don't know like why he's paralyzed or how long he's paralyzed or what happened, accident, disease, whatever. 
but he's got this buddy, but the guy cannot walk, and so if you want to get him to Jesus, you're going to need some help. So he recruits three of his buddies. Hey, let's get the next time Jesus is in town. What do you say? We all pick him up, uh, literally, uh, on his cot, and we take him to Jesus and see if we can get this guy healed. And so, uh, so they're all like, yeah, we're in. And so the day comes, Jesus comes back to Capernaum. And so they're like, hey, you know, let's go. It's go time. So they go and get their friend. Interestingly enough, we don't know how this friend felt about this. It's really interesting. It's like, was he uh, like, yes, let's do it? Or he's like, no, no, I don't want to go. <laughs> Hold still, Joe, we're taking you. You know, um, we don't really know. But anyway, they, they get him. And so when they get there in Mark chapter 2, uh, it's one of these famous scenes in Jesus' life where the, the house had small houses and the house was packed and you couldn't get into the door. There's no way. And so they're thinking, I'm sure they're thinking like, well, that's it. We can't get him today. And someone's got this harebrained idea. I know, let's dig a hole in the roof. You're like, what? Now, the roofs were often made in Galilee. They were often made of like uh, thatched roofs with mud and, and bushes and maybe some rafters. And so... Uh, this kind of makes a little bit more sense, but you know, they, they decide. So anyway, they find, it's like, this is crazy. Stop and think about this. I mean, Jesus is teaching down below and you can hear someone on the roof and it's like the dust is starting to come down. And like, I mean, you know, what kind of rabbi is he? Maybe he gets mad and just like, you know, makes them all, you know, I don't know, uh, you know, cast them into the sea or something, who knows? And so they're kind of taking a risk at this. And and after all, they're digging a hole in someone's roof. I mean, how's Jesus going to feel about that? We got property damage going on here. um, But they decide, hey, no, I think we should go for it. I think he's the kind of guy (laughs) that will like this. And so they've got to go get ropes now. I mean, they can bring ropes with them. They're just going to bring. So they have to go get some more supplies. They get back and, you know, to cut to the chair, they're digging through the roof. And I won't go through the whole story. It's an amazing story. But eventually they get a hole and they let him down. And sure enough, Jesus is happy. He's like, you know, I didn't care about the roof. It's not his house. And so, uh, <laughs> and so he's just excited that these guys have this amazing faith, right? And so he heals the guy, not only physically, but spiritually. It's one of the few times where he said, son, your sins are forgiven. Uh, it's one of the few times he says, this is an amazing thing, right? So this is an incredible story, and we could use it to teach on the power of faith. We could use it to talk on the power of relationships, how we should carry each other's burdens. We could use it to talk about the power of creativity, out-of-the-box thinking. Don't assume a closed door is always closed. God may just want you to go through the roof. So there are a lot, there are a lot of lessons that we could draw from this amazing account, and I want to draw none of them, right? I want to use this as a parable, my own parable. A parable, a picture of what it means to partner with God in prayer to bring the kingdom of God to earth. In my mind, this story is a a beautiful picture of what it means. When you are going before the king, to bring someone you love or care about in any level of your concentric circles. What you are doing is bringing someone into the presence of Jesus to let them down, to do what only Jesus can do. And the beautiful thing is, they cannot even stop you. This is one of the most exciting things the Lord has been showing me the last few months is that, Michael, when you pray, it doesn't even matter if they want to be brought into my presence. They don't have a choice. Are you with me? Isn't that awesome? It doesn't matter if they don't love Jesus. They don't even want to know Jesus. You don't have a choice. 
I am taking you into the presence of Jesus and I'm letting you down through the roof and there's nothing you can do about it. Now, so this is what happens. When we're praying and partnering with God in prayer, what we are doing is we are entering the presence and then we are bringing someone into the presence and bring him to Jesus for him so that his name can be honored, so that his kingdom can come in their life and so his will can be done. And, and I wanna walk you through this, how this works in my own life, not because like my way is the best way or the only way or anything like that. I've just found that over the years as I've taught on this, sometimes when I'll share what God's kind of taught me over the years in my own life, that it's been really helpful. And even if this is not super helpful, it might trigger something in your mind that will be helpful, or even if none of that's true, it will definitely illustrate this concept of what happens when we pray and the mindset that we should have when we pray. So what I'm gonna do is I'm actually gonna plug in my iPad here, and we're gonna see if this works. But I wanna take you into prayer with me, all right? And um, so when I, um, when I spend time with the Lord, it's usually in the morning, when I spend time with the Lord, that, um, that I'm gonna use two digital programs to do my, everyone's got their own way, but I do two digital things. So uh, if there's an insight, a significant insight the Lord gives me, like I don't journal every day, I, I'm not a journal every day, I kind of journal when the Lord shows me things that I don't wanna forget. And, uh, and so I will record those insights in Evernote, which is a, uh, you know, an app, a program, uh, because I want easy access. I can tag them journal, I can tag them 2018, I can quickly put that in every lesson he's taught me of significance this year, I've got evil. Okay, so that's what I'll do there. But when I, when I go to spend time with the Lord, I will record that whole time with the Lord. Um, I will record it in a, uh, an app that's called uh, Note Shelf. And there's a million of them, but I use Note Shelf. And so when I start, uh, my thing. So let's go ahead and go, let's go ahead and uh, turn over here. Okay, so this is, uh, so this is my, my journal. So, um, so what I'm gonna, I'm gonna start, I'm gonna start uh, by, I'll, I'll uh, put where I'm at, the, the day, the time, the place, the location, kind of box it at the top. Uh, I might make a couple notes about what's going on in my life right now. Um, not really super like journal-y, um, but just kind of like uh, things, because I may be praying about these things, so I want to some context later on. One of the things I love about a digital version is that I don't have to worry about how many pages I use because I can go through a lot of pages um, because you'll, as you'll see, when I pray, I often use key words. So everyone's got to find their own way when you pray. Um, and so I used to pray out loud and that was really helpful to me. Um, and, uh, and then I, I don't really like writing. I, my, after about five minutes, my hand's cramping up. You can't read my writing. It looks horrible. Um, and so, and it bores me. It takes too long. So uh, I, I tend to use words to pray and then pray over words. Uh, kind of so so it's, gives, it's kind of a halfway house. There's something being written down that kind of keeps me on track, it's focused, as a sense of what I've done. But um, so anyway, uh, that opening page, I'll start off and, and you know, put that kind of uh, information up there, time, place, and that kind of thing, where I'm at. A couple opening notes. Uh, but then I'm gonna go into the presence of the Lord. So what I'm gonna do is, um, is I'm gonna start by uh, this, uh, almost every day, that I'm gonna put a arc over this. Now to me, this represents uh, my father in the heavens, right? He's in the heavens, he's over my life. I wanna come under his leadership, I wanna come under his mercy. I wanna come into the presence, and so I'm gonna actually, you know, I, I would typically write uh, in this, and I like using different colors just because it looks better. And you can see how bad my writing is, but that's part of vulnerability here. All right, so, uh, so, um, 
So I'm gonna put uh, the presence, right? And so I'm gonna say, uh, Lord, I'm coming into the presence right now. I'm entering your presence and I'm, and I'm here. I just want this whole time, I just wanna under your leadership. I wanna come under your leadership. I'm gonna ask you to lead me by your spirit. Um, and it's just gonna be an incredible time as you lead this time. And then at some point, every day is gonna be different. Uh, it's never gonna follow the same pattern. But um, at some point, I'm gonna begin to praying for people. Uh, and I'll probably pray off and on. Through, there'll probably be some give and take and some word and some prayer. So it's gonna be very mixed up. Um, I'm gonna trust the Holy Spirit to lead this time, but um, what I'm gonna do is, let's say I'm gonna pray, I wanna give you how, I'm gonna pray for, I'm gonna give you an example of how I might pray for one person, all right? And this is again, just, a, you know, it's like not, you don't have to do this, but what we're doing is we're taking some of the presence, I'm gonna use the way I do it just to model this. So I'm gonna pray here for my wife, because I pray for my wife probably more than anyone else, and uh, not because she needs it, but just because I love her. Uh, so I wanna be clear on that, Lynn. Uh, <laughs> God, help me. Uh, uh, change my wife. Change my wife. No, no, not at all. Not at all. Kidding. Joke. Joke. All right. So um, I'm going to do the same thing for her because usually I'm going to do this for, for every person. I'm just going to pick a different color here. And, um, and so I'm going to put the presence over her, right? And I'm going to write her name in here. Uh, I've never done this on stage, so we'll see how this goes. But that looks like the wrong. That's right. Okay. Uh, okay, here we go. Okay, so you got Lynn now, all right? And so what I'm doing now is I'm entering the presence with my wife. Um, this is not checking off a list. This is not like I, have, uh, like I have 18 things to pray for. God bless Lynn, God bless my family, God bless Bree, God bless Steve Sears, God bless, you know. Like it's not like that, right? What I want to do is I want to come into the presence and I want to sit there in the presence of the Lord under the leadership of the Holy Spirit. Remember Ephesians 6 says we're to pray in the Spirit at all times. In other words, you can pray on your own, out of your own brain, or you can pray in the Spirit. Pray in the Spirit means we come under his leadership. Lord, would you guide this time? And so I'm going to come and I'm going to bring my wife into the presence, just like those four friends brought their their friend, I'm gonna bring my wife into the presence. And I'm gonna, I'm gonna just wait on the Lord, but these are the kinds of things who often I pray for. So I might say, Lord, um, as I bring here, uh, so I'm gonna wire up here. These are like very common for me, presence. God, I just bring Lynn into your presence because what I want for her more than anything else is that she would live in the presence of God. I wanna experience you in all your fullness, and so would you just be with her? I want you, in fact, in fact I want you to, um, hover over her life like you hovered over creation uh, in Genesis 1. Like you hovered, the Spirit of God hovered over uh, her life, uh, over creation. You call forth beautiful things. And God, there's so many things that let you know that you have a vision for Lynn's life that I don't even know what that vision is. And so I just want to pray that you would hover and call forth beautiful things out of her life. In fact, Lord, I want to pray that your um, Spirit your, your Holy Spirit would be over Lynn, guiding her every step of the way and then just driving a, a deeper relationship with you. Um, and then I might pray, uh, let's say, um, I might say, you know, I was waiting there, here's something I commonly pray for. Lord, I wanna pray for Lynn's priorities. And I know she's got a busy life and she's got so many people that want time with her and she's got family and, and I know she's trying to discern that. I just want her to live her life uh, for you in the very best way. So would you help her discern your calling in her life and help her discern your priorities for her and that she'd be able to, to listen and follow 
in that area and uh, those areas of our life. And then I might say, um, uh, Lord, I want to pray. I want to pray for her health. A lot of you know that um, that Lynn's been uh, rear-ended 13 times, and so she has a lot of like health issues and. And so, uh, Lord, I just want to bring her before you, and I just pray for her body, and I just give her to you. And I might pray through different parts of her body that I know she's struggling with or working through, and I won't go through all that here, but that would normally, words are going down, you know. Um, And another thing I might pray for is I pray, Lord, for, um, for our relationship, because I know for Lynn that one of the most important things in her life is our relationship, and that she really treasures that and when that's going well, uh, life is going well. And if it's not, it's not. So I just, Lord, I pray for our relationship. And I pray that you, and, and, and here's where other words are gonna start to go down, right? I'm gonna pray, as I'm praying, I'm gonna say, um, Lord, I just pray for, um, I just pray for a strong sense of con- uh, connection with Lynn. And I pray, Lord, that I would treasure her and appreciate her. And there would just be a, a deep connection there. I pray for our chemistry, um, that we would continue to grow together. Um, and I pray, uh, I just pray that uh, I would lead her well. In fact, uh, this is one thing. Often I'll be praying scripture over her. And seeing this, I'm changing colors just so I can follow themes. But I want to pray Romans 2 over her life. And so one of the passages that hit me so hard a few years ago is in Romans 2, it says that we need to be living our life so that at the final judgment that we would receive glory and honor and immortality. And the Holy Spirit really spoke to me through that. And so I just, I pray and I say, Lord, I, I, I want to pray for her. And I want to pray for glory. And I want to pray for honor. And I want to pray for Im- immortality. And I want to pray, Lord, that she lives her life well so that when she stands before you, that she would hear, well done. There's nothing more important to me. And I want to be, I want to be um, the kind of leader, sorry, um, I want to be, and so this is going to go into something else here. I'm going to say for my leadership, I want to be the kind of leadership that leads her well as her spiritual head so that she can experience everything you have for her and that when she's there, there's nothing that matters more to me than she hears well done. So may I lead her well so when that time comes, she'll hear well done. And then he might move into um, something like uh, more practical things like, um, like her trip. She's hey, Lord, you know, the Lynn's coming on this trip. She's gonna be going to San Diego. She's gonna be spending time with her sisters. And I just pray that'd be a time of deep connection. Give her wisdom and discernment on what she says and how she says it, and they would have a deep connection that would really lead to honoring your kingdom. So you're kind of following here how this would work. And so what I'm doing is it's not like I have a list of things in my mind. I'm just going into the presence, and I'm bringing my wife into the presence, and I'm gonna wait there before the Lord what's on his heart I mean, say, Lord, would you show me how to pray for my wife? And what I do for Lynn, um, would do for whatever situation or person I'm praying for, it'd be the, exactly the same way. And so I won't illustrate this for the sake of time, but for example, uh, pretty much every day, I'm gonna pray for Rocky Peak. And, whoops. <laughs> yeah, right, you thought that was intentional. Here's the church, here's the steeple. And so I'm gonna pray for Rocky Peak. <laughs> <laughs> And, uh, and I'm gonna pray, and, and I'm gonna pray scripture over Rocky Peak, and I'm just gonna pray, God, would we be a church that listens and follows? Will you give us wisdom? And would you, would you uh, open our eyes? Would you give us a passion for you that exceeds all other passions? And would you give me leader, uh, spirit, leadership wisdom as I lead? And, and so I'm gonna pray, and so as I go on, this page is gonna fill up. And every day is gonna be a little different. 
And it's, uh, I'm just gonna say, what, what is the Lord putting in my heart? And so some days, Lynn's gonna get a little prayer and some days a lot of prayer, but it's gonna, be, it's gonna be the same way. Are you with me in this? But what I want you to catch is just such a different paradigm than just having a list and going down and, okay, God bless this person, God bless this person. No, I'm going into the presence and I am taking people with me into the presence, whether they wanna go or not. And I'm gonna lay them before the Lord and I'm gonna ask the Holy Spirit to guide this time that he would lead this time. I love the quote, that's good. Uh, I love the quote um, from Dietrich Bonhoeffer, you know, the famous German pastor um, who kind of uh, was part of the resistance against Hitler and lost his life for it. But he wrote a book called Life Together that I've really enjoyed. And uh, he talks about in the body of Christ what we're doing when we pray for one another. And I love this. He says, intercession, which means praying for others, means no more than to bring our brother into the presence of God. Isn't that great? We're bringing him into the presence. Uh, We're seeing him under the cross of Jesus as a poor human being, a sinner and in need of grace. I would say so much more than that. That's one side of the story. I would see him as a, a son of the king, Uh, a daughter of the king uh, with epic calling on their lives, but I'm bringing that person into the presence and that's what we're doing. And so what I wanna leave you with today is just a challenge and the challenge is uh, is this question, um, why do you pray? And I think some great answers are in order to transact, in order to build that relationship, absolutely. We talked about how essential that is But I think that one of the things we've often missed is that prayer is how we get things done. And if we're not entering into the presence, if we're not investing regular time, a rhythm of relationship, praying for our concentric circles, the things that concern us, we are letting down the people that God's called us to love. Because prayer is one of the most practical ways of loving people. I I love what C.S. Lewis said one time. He said that prayer... Praying for one's friends is a sweet duty. It is both sweet, but it is a duty. Because if we're not praying, as Ephesians 6, praying for, uh, for everyone at all time, at all occasions, staying alert, watching, if we are not watching out for one another, we are giving the enemy access, and we are not providing the cover that we need to be providing for those in our circle, and there are things that God wants to do, is willing to do, that should happen, would happen, but won't happen. Simply because we are not taking this incredible privilege we've been given as sons and daughters of the king to use the signet ring to go before the throne of God. In Jesus' name, amen. <laughs> Let's pray. Well, Lord, we are here and we're learning. We are learning. You're mentoring us. You're teaching us. You're coming alongside us as a church. You're putting your arms around us. You're embracing us. You're teaching us about kingdom authority. And so, Lord, we pray that you would shepherd us by your spirit. You'd help us to understand what's at stake when we don't pray. That if you've designed the kingdom to come via partnership, that when we don't partner, it means the kingdom doesn't come. And Lord, we want your kingdom to come in these concentric circles of our life as we serve as outposts of your kingdom. May you teach us and shepherd us. May we have an appropriate fear of not praying. 
so that your name will be honored, your kingdom will come, your will will be done. As we come before you now, as we bring our tithes, our gifts, our offerings, we pray you use all of this to advance your kingdom in Jesus' name. Amen.